0: Today, we want to look at the biggest roadblock that often keeps us from the road of financial freedom. It is also one of the biggest hindrances that we have to being able to give to God the way that we really wish that we could give to Him. Today, we want to look at the bondage of debt. We want to help you discover that it's possible for for you to move from that bondage to blessings from God. The truth is… America is addicted to debt. We're addicted to debt, including Christians, by the way, people who really ought to know better. Most people in our country don't know any other way to live. If we're being honest, most of us really believe that debt is needed and necessary for us to live our life successfully, yet It is the most dangerous threat to our peace. It is the most dangerous threat to our happiness. The vast majority of people in America are living way beyond their means. Financial expert Dave Ramsey says 70% of Americans are living paycheck to paycheck. He says 55% of people are always worried about money. Now catch this. Think about those statistics again for a minute. 70% of us are overextended. 70% of us are in trouble living paycheck to paycheck. And 55% of us are always worried about the fact that we're in financial trouble. You realize what that means. 15% of those people who are really in trouble don't worry about it. They don't seem to know it. And the last couple of years have been a huge wake-up call. I mean, tons of people had just been hitting the snooze button about their financial situation. The economy has caused some to wake up and uh, begin to take steps to correct it. And some are doing a good job of that. And if you are, great. And I want to encourage you to continue. But many people are still hitting the snooze button and are still believing that they can somehow postpone the inevitable. And in some ways, the government is still hitting the snooze button. Let me give you some statistics about our country. As of two o'clock on Friday afternoon, our national debt was over twenty-two trillion dollars. You see the numbers there. And that's as of Friday. In fiscal year 2018, we went into debt at a rate of just under 3.3 billion dollars a day we went into debt at 3.3 billion dollars a day and interest alone on our national debt is about 1.1 billion dollars a day that's billion with a b now let me put that into terms that you can understand each citizen of the United States share of our national debt right now is about 67,000 dollars could you all just write a check for $67,000 67000 right now for everybody in your household. That's up more than $18,000 per citizen since 2012 when I last gave you these statistics. Each taxpayer's share is over $180,000. And that's up $45,000, over $45,000 per taxpayer since 2012. Our national debt is really bad, it's a huge problem. I think we know that. We know it's mortgaging our future, it's mortgaging our children and our grandchildren's future, and that's true of our national debt. It's also true of the debt of the American family. It's true of personal debt also. Many kids will not go to college or they will amass huge student loans Because their parents are so deeply in debt they can't help their kids with college. We have many other people who will find themselves completely unable to retire because of the debts that they have undertaken. And some who are counting on an inheritance from their parents to fund their retirement are going to find that there won't be much left when they pay off their parents' debts. Debt is a subtle and a deadly snare like a bear walking through the woods you don't see the trap or feel the snap until it's too late most people have no idea what they're doing until it's done they don't know what they're doing until it's done it's like signing papers for that new house or that new car you remember when you did that You went in, you went into that office, and you signed papers for that new house or for a new car, and uh, you walked out of the office, and you drove the car off the lot, or you had the keys to your new house, and you wanted to be happy, you wanted to be excited, and you were, but there was something else. There was something inside of you, something deeper that thought, what have I done What in the world have I done? But you kept walking, you decorated the house, you kept driving the car, and eventually you started feeling better. Now, did you feel better because your situation had changed? No. You felt better because we are all masters at talking ourselves into stuff. We have become experts at rationalizing even the irrational And the truth is, eventually we all have to wake up to the reality of the financial mess that we've created. And I need to say, there was a time when it was mostly young adults that were struggling because of debt. That's no longer the case. At age 39, Elizabeth Amoreen went back to school and got a PhD in neuropsychology. She's now 72 years old and the student loans from her education are still with her today. Amorine's career opportunities turned out to be less rosy than she had hoped and she has long struggled to pay back her student loan and that has allowed the debt with interest to balloon from $50,000 to over $185,000 today and she's 72 years old according to a government report, student loans for seniors like Amarin have jumped 550% in the last 10 years. Seniors now owe more than $18 billion in student debt. And unlike other forms of debt, uh, student loans cannot be discharged in bankruptcy. In fact, government can even come after your Social Security fund if you don't pay back your student loan. Debt is a subtle, yet deadly, snare. It appears absolutely harmless, even helpful, when you're signing on that dotted line, but it's not. In chapter two of his book, The New ABCs of Financial Freedom, Barry Cameron tells you that he wants to teach us to hate debt. He wants us to learn to absolutely hate debt. And most people, when they read that, they think, I already do. I already do hate debt. But people who say that they hate debt are still going into debt. They're still accruing more and more debt. So you'll want to read chapter 2. You'll want to read his chapter on the bondage of debt because I'm really not repeating most of what he says there in the book today. But let me point out some important things about debt. First, debt affects everything we do. Debt affects everything we do. The Bible is really clear. The wrong view of money can absolutely ruin us. Look what it says in 1 Timothy chapter 6. Those who want to become rich bring temptation to themselves and are caught in a trap. They want many foolish and harmful things that ruin and destroy people. The love of money causes all kinds of evil. Some people have left the faith because they wanted to get more money, but they have caused themselves much sorrow now i'm guessing if you are in debt or if you have been in debt you have had much sorrow about your debt you have seen how it has affected your life have you ever had this dream have you ever dreamed about just taking a year or two away from your job and finding some gorgeous beach somewhere to live on and to just hang out with your spouse and your kids for a while and have you had that dream Why don't you do it? In truth, the answer is because of your debt. It's because of your debt. And if you don't think that you're materialistic or you don't think you're in bondage to debt, I want you to imagine this scenario. You're asleep one night and you wake up and Jesus himself is standing at the foot of your bed. It's Jesus. He's standing there at the foot of your bed and he says to you, here's what i want you to do i want you to sell everything you have i want you to pay off your debt and i want you to go to south america and i want you to minister there for me for the next five years okay now here's the thing it's jesus and he's told you directly what he wants you to do there's no question about that so my question for you isn't will you obey him Let's just assume that everybody in this room, if Jesus really showed up in their bedroom and said, this is what I want you to do, that everybody in this room would obey him. Okay, so that's not my question. Here's my question. How long would it take you to obey him? I mean, it's going to take some time to sell your stuff, isn't it? But most of us wouldn't be able to obey for many years because of our debt because of our debt unfortunately the majority of the christian community is seriously in debt and that's why we need to talk about the bondage of debt and how we can avoid it have you ever imagined what your life would be like if you were completely out of debt i mean what would you do with a paycheck that wasn't already obligated to bills and monthly payments what would you do with that I mean where would you go on vacation what would you do for your kids and for your parents and for your grandkids how much would you give to impact or other causes that you believe in if you didn't have any debt what would you do the next time your boss was giving you a bad time I mean imagine it you're at work your boss is yelling at you giving you a bad time and you just take off that badge and Take out the key and you hand it and you start walking away and your boss goes wait where are you going and you go no debt no bills I, I don't have to do this anymore so why can't we do all of those things because of debt and obligations miserable worthless ridiculous life-killing happiness destroying debt Larry Burkett, in his book, Debt-Free Living, said, regardless of how it seems today, debt is not normal in any economy and should not be normal for God's people. We live in a debt-ridden society that is now virtually dependent on a constant expansion of credit to keep the economy going. That is a symptom of a society no longer willing to follow God's direction. In his book, Priceless, Dave Ramsey said, too many people buy things on the lay-awake plan. They buy things on the lay-awake plan, and if you keep living a, def- a debt-based life, you're going to keep laying awake at night for a long time. So what do we need to know about debt? Our ABC book gives us some ways to remember how dangerous debt is. He gives us some acronyms. He says that this is what you should think of before you borrow money. Debt is a dumb explanation for buying things. That's what debt stands for. A dumb explanation for buying things. Or he says debt stands for don't even buy that. That may be a better one. Don't even buy that. He suggests we learn to live within our means and we only buy things that we can pay cash for. He says cash stands for cash always saves heartache. And I think that's true. So the first thing that you need to know about debt is it affects everything you do. It affects everything you do. It affects the choices you make. It affects your family. It affects your attitude. It affects everything you do. Second, It's fair for us to point out something else about debt. The Bible doesn't forbid debt, but it does discourage it. The Bible doesn't forbid debt. Look at this verse from Proverbs 22. It's also on the back of that go-to-jail card that you were given when you came in. The rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is servant to the lender. The verse says something very, very clearly. When I'm in debt, I am a servant to someone other than God. When I'm in debt, I'm a servant to someone other than God. I I have to find a way to pay U.S. Bank home mortgage. That's who holds the mortgage that we're trying to pay off on our house. I am their servant until my mortgage is completely paid. And I want to serve only God. And as long as I have debt, I'm serving those who I owe money to as well as God. Now God doesn't forbid debt, but look at some of the things that the Bible says and I've listed some scriptures that you can look up on your own later and do a little Bible study on this, but it says that Israelites made loans to their brother Israelites to other uh, members of God's people if they were allowed to loan each other money, then debt can't be completely forbidden. The Bible did forbid charging interest to the poor. Did you know that? The Bible forbids charging interest to the poor. You can try calling your credit card companies and telling them that and see if that works. The longest term debt in the Bible was seven years. It was seven years. And at the end of seven years, it was forgiven, by the way. The Bible also discourages co-signing a loan. The Bible says co-signing is not a sin, but it is stupid. It's not a sin, but it is stupid. Look at this verse, and some of you have lived it, so you'll understand it. Whoever guarantees to pay someone else's loan will suffer. It is safer to avoid such promises. It's safer not to make the promise by co-signing. Here's why co-signing is stupid. You understand when someone comes to you and says, will you co-sign the loan? That means something. It means the bank doesn't think that they should loan them money. They're too big of a risk for the bank to agree to loan them money. That's why they need a co-signer. So when you co-sign, you are taking a risk that the bank isn't willing to take and so that's why whoever guarantees to pay someone else's loan will suffer by the way i didn't say this in the other services and it's not on your uh translation back there either uh, so but when somebody says to you um co-sign my loan why don't you just say oh instead why don't i just give you the money instead Some of you are thinking, well, because I don't have that kind of money to give. Exactly. So don't co-sign. Don't co-sign, right? So the Bible doesn't forbid debt, but it does discourage it. But the primary thing that I want you to know about debt is this. God wants us to be debt-free. God wants us to be debt free not only does God want us to not be servants to people that we borrow money from but he wants to place us high above the people of this world he wants to bless us in such a way that people recognize that it's him that's blessing us and they give him credit for that look at this uh, first couple of verses from Deuteronomy chapter 28 if you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully follow all his commands I give you today the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth all these blessings will come upon you and accompany you if you will obey the Lord your God now notice according to verse 1 we are set above the nations when we fully obey God and we follow his commands not just the commands that we like but all of them and verse 2 says all the blessings come when we obey him And so, if you aren't feeling like God is blessing your life right now, maybe it's because you're not obeying Him right now. Because blessings accompany obedience. That's the clear teaching of Scripture in the area of finances and every other area. Blessings accompany obedience. But when we do obey... Look at what the passage says will happen. Skip down in uh, Deuteronomy 28 to verse 12. Here's what it says. The Lord will open the heavens, the storehouse of his bounty, to send rain on your land in season and to bless all the work of your hands. You will lend to many nations, but will borrow from none The Lord will make you the head, not the tail. If you pay attention to the commands of the Lord your God that I give you this day and carefully follow them, you will always be at the top, never at the bottom. Do not turn aside from any of the commands I give you today to the right or to the left, following other gods and serving them. He is going to open the storehouse of blessings. He's going to give us what we need and beyond what we need. If we pay attention to his commands, we will always be at the top, never on the bottom. And notice, uh, not only does God want us to be debt-free, he wants us to be lenders, he wants us to be lenders uh, instead of borrowers. And I believe God intends for his people uh, to never be anything other than leaders in the world around. And he wants us to be leaders in everything, not just in spiritual things, not just in financial things, but in everything. And I think Christ followers ought to be the best many managers on the planet. If we learn how to live debt free, we will be. But you're sitting there and you're thinking, is that really possible? Can I really become debt-free? Absolutely. There's no question that's what God wants for your life. That's what he wants for you. And there's no question that he's willing to help, that he's willing to do whatever it takes to help us if we follow his wisdom and follow his commands. We've got to follow his wisdom and commands. And I know it's hard to believe, and it isn't easy to do, but you can get out of debt completely. Not just your school loans, not just your credit cards, not just your car payments, but even that mortgage. You can get completely out of debt. You can do it. Let me help you get started by giving you seven practical ways to dump debt. Okay, seven practical ways. Um, Take notes on these. First, put God first in your life put God first in your life that's where we start I mean trust him fully Put him first. Don't make the mistake of waiting to obey God's command to give until after you have paid off your debt. As I said last week, honor God first. Deuteronomy 14 tells us that the reason that we're supposed to give at least 10% or a tithe is so that we always put God first in our life. That's one of the commands that we need to obey if we want God to bless us. Here's the second one. Quit borrowing money. (laughs) Just stop. Quit borrowing money. Decide to cut up your credit cards and to quit using credit cards at all. Decide to quit financing cars, to quit refinancing your house, quit using that equity line of credit. Just completely quit borrowing money. You can't get out of debt if you don't quit borrowing money. Third, Use the debt snowball. I learned this from Dave Ramsey and Financial Peace University, which, by the way, we'll be offering again uh, after Easter of this year. But you list all of your debts in descending order with the smallest payoff at the top. And you don't worry about the interest rates or anything else. You just write the smallest balance first and keep moving down the list. And you target paying off the bill with the smallest payoff first. You pay the minimum on everything else, and you put as much money as you possibly can on that first one. When you pay it off, then you move all that money you've been putting on the first one to the second one. And you you just... Keep moving down the list, and as you move down the list, that snowball just builds and you're putting more and more money, and pretty soon you're putting a massive amount of money on one bill and you're succeeding and you're getting out of debt. It is a great way to do it, and it's very encouraging. Number four, find more money to pay off debt. Now, I wasn't really thinking of going into the couch cushions and finding change, but you can do that. I mean, that's one way, and put all that money towards debt. But um, don't be satisfied just paying what you have in your budget to pay your debt with. Find more money to pay off debt. Let me give you three ways that you can find more money. The first one is sell things. Sell things. Most of us have stuff sitting around that's worth some money. Sell some of it. Jewelry and guns and computers and cars and stuff in your basement and your closet and your garage. Sell it and pay down your debt. Next one, cut expenses. The author of the ABCs gives you a whole list of ways that you can do that and uh, cut uh, your expenses and make them lower. And basically you do anything you can to live cheaper so that you can pay off debt. And the last one is get a second job get a second job. Dave Ramsey suggests getting a temporary uh, part-time job delivering pizza or today it might be driving Uber and you put all of the money you get from that job towards debt reduction. One of our friends in Arizona did this. He uh, worked early in the morning until mid-afternoon and then he got a second part-time job working at a hardware store in the late afternoons and the evenings and he did that I think for about 18 months and uh, they put all of that money towards debt and he would tell you it wasn't easy that it was hard working two jobs but he would also tell you it was worth it uh, to do that for a short time so that they could be debt-free for a lifetime. So be creative find more money to pay off debt with and then number five keep the debt-free value high keep the debt-free value high the reason that we're on uh, we're in debt is because we have allowed other values to become higher priorities to us let's face it I think everybody in this room who's in any kind of debt has a debt-free value you really want to be debt free you value that the problem is you also value owning a home and so uh, being debt-free takes a back seat to owning a home and you value going on vacations and so sometimes the debt-free value moves down so that the vacation value can go up and so what I'm saying is you have to keep the debt value high and remember when uh, those other values come up it's going to seem so logical to borrow money But the debt-free value being high can help you not do that. Number six, establish an emergency fund. Establish an emergency fund. This is a piece I missed until I took Financial Peace University. Financial Peace University taught us that before we paid extra money on debt, we needed to put at least $1,000 into an emergency fund. And so, instead of paying extra on debt, we put extra money towards our emergency fund and did that. Now, prior to doing that, here's what I'd always said. Okay, we're not going to use credit cards except in an emergency. Our credit card is our emergency fund. Now, I'm guessing there's people in the room who have uh, thought that. And so, we would make progress on paying down our debt, and then an emergency would happen. You know, the car would break down. Or an appliance would break, or Christmas would be in December that year. <laughs> or we would go on a vacation, or we would f- want to buy new cell phones. You know, emergencies would happen in our life. And, um, Following FPU's advice, the Financial Peace University's advice, and putting a 1000 in savings for emergencies and defining what really constituted a real emergency made it easier for us to keep paying off debt. The last one is one you won't like. Appoint your personal debt police. Appoint your personal debt police. I am suggesting you find a friend or a family member or a growth group member, someone other than your spouse who hates debt, more than you do, okay? It needs to be one of your friends who doesn't have a lot of debt. It shouldn't be the person that's, uh, you know, pulling their credit card bills out of a hat every month figuring out which one gets paid it needs to be somebody who hates debt more than you do and is doing better than you are and you ask them to be your personal debt police here's what that looks like you show them your finances you show them exactly what you owe and you explain to them how much you want to get out of debt and how much you want to stay out of debt and you explain to them your plan and then you ask them to help you And if you're keeping any credit cards, you physically give the card to them and you say, if I think I need to charge something, I'm going to come to you and ask you for that card and explain to you why I think I need to break my commitment to stop borrowing money. And you say to them, I give you permission to tell me that my thinking is flawed and to tell me that I'm being dumb and to remind me of my commitment to quit borrowing money. To give me, uh, I give you permission to talk to me about other ways to deal with that need in my life than borrowing and tell them, I don't want you to make it easy for me to borrow money again. Now, if somebody asks you to be their debt police, um, maybe they're in your growth group, maybe it's a family member. Ultimately, if they insist, you have to give them back their card and let them make that dumb mistake, but at least love them enough to tell them how dumb it is. Now, some of you are really reacting to this step you don't want to do it you're thinking it's no one else's business what i owe it's no one else's business if i borrow it's a private matter can i gently remind you of a couple of things people already know what you owe lots of people already know exactly what you owe. Everybody who has ever loaned you money has looked at your credit report and they know exactly what you owe. And they don't care. (coughs) They don't care about the stress in your home and in your marriage because of financial problems. They don't care about that. They don't care how your family is suffering because so much money is going out every month to pay finance charges for things that you ate or things that you threw away months and months ago. They don't care that you lie awake nights worrying about finances. They don't care that if something doesn't change in your life that your kids won't be able to go go to college. They don't care about any of those things. They don't know your name. They just know you as an account number. And they don't care if you ever pay that loan off. In fact, they will loan you more money if you keep making the minimum payments. So why in the world would you let people like that know everything that you owe? People who don't care know everything you owe, but you don't want to let somebody who does care who might be able to help know what you owe I mean how much debt would you have avoided if you had had wise people in your life that you talked to before you took out that debt in the first place now it's too late to go back on that but it's not too late to let someone who is wise someone who loves you help you start walking blamelessly and doing things right in this area and to help you walk out of debt Jill and I amassed over fifty thousand dollars in credit card debt while our daughter Kayla was struggling with her illness and we kept using credit cards for nearly three years after she died we were very near sixty thousand dollars in credit card debt and we were struggling to pay our bills and it was then that we decided that we would figure out how to pay it off and we started the hard task of doing that and It took a little over 10 years to succeed in becoming debt-free with the exception of our mortgage. And when we were dealing with trying to get rid of that massive, extreme debt, I had this reoccurring dream. Sometimes it was while I was asleep. Most times it was a daydream. Here was the dream. I dreamt that I walked to my mailbox one day and there was a whole stack of mail from my creditors and I opened the first credit card bill and the balance was zero it had been paid off in full and I opened the next one and it was a zero balance and had been paid off and I kept opening these envelopes seeing zero balances I opened my mortgage statement and it said paid in full in my daydream some wealthy person who loved me paid off all of my debt I went from being massively in debt to being debt free in one month in my daydream never happened financially financially that's not how it happened i mean jill and i had to do the hard work of paying it off little by little and i can tell you that the hard work has been worth it we are so much more at peace today and uh, we don't fight about money and we're able to do far more for jesus but it didn't happen because some rich person just paid off our debt all at once that's not how it happened financially but it is how it happened for me spiritually Spiritually, that is how it happened. You see, the greatest debt any of us will ever have is our sin. Scripture is very clear that because I've sinned against God, that the price I owe God is eternal condemnation. It's death. And Jesus came and he died so that we could be debt-free for eternity. He came and with one action paid off the price that we owed god colossians 2 puts it this way when you were spiritually dead because of your sins and because you were not free from the power of your sinful self god made you alive with christ and he forgave all our sins he canceled the debt which listed all of the rules we failed to follow and he took away that record with its rules And he nailed it to the cross. I am debt-free spiritually because of Jesus. And if you're here and you're not debt-free spiritually, if you don't know for sure that he's taken away all of your sins, I I just pray that you'll stop by our Next Steps canopy after the service because you can leave here spiritually free, spiritually debt-free. And... Not only am I debt-free spiritually because of Jesus, but with His help, with using His wisdom and following His commands, I can be debt-free financially. Also, I'm working towards that, and you can do that too. So, how about you? What's it going to be? Bondage or blessings? The stress or freedom? Let's pray.